0: Hello and welcome to Kinerit's Sound of Play 264 Say in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the mini video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Ryan Heyman in Sound of Play 264, is a guest that we've had on the show before. Um, just kind of a chill dude, so it's <laughs> <not> like, <laughs> why not have him back on? Um, it's been almost a year since Sound of Play 221, um, which was his uh previous uh feature mr david grund hello thank you for having me back i'm yeah
1: really excited to to be
0: back on people that had listened to that previous episode might remember that you are a game developer yourself um you've worked on a uh, couple of games uh, i know that um you know last time you were um you were talking a lot about a story beside and uh, and world's dawn, which is you know. It, it, I'm I'm just curious, kind of like w- what's been going on since then. It's been almost a year. What is your Life been like? What has your game development aspirations yeah. been like? Like, how have things gone?
1: Yeah, I mean, you say it's been almost a year. It's crazy to think. It seems like longer, <laughs> yeah. but also shorter. I don't know. Time means very little these days. But it's been a weird year. <laughs> it has. <laughs> so uh, shamefully, I remember going back on that on that podcast and and telling Leon the game a story beside was going to be finished by December of that year, and it is mm-hmm. still ongoing. <laughs> it is still in early access on steam um so that's kind of been my focus i had definitely expected to be on to the next thing by now but of course the pandemic and so much else has uh kind of halted in my life that um Mm. i've just kind of yeah been been focusing um on completing that game and making it as good as can be because there's not much else i can be doing right now (laughs) um but yeah game development is still very much my my number one uh Uh, thing right now.
0: Yeah. And uh, just for context, you know, it's been a while and um, I know that people sometimes kind of jump around the Sound of Play catalog. Why don't you kind of give a little introduction uh, to your game just for uh, a level setting?
1: So yeah, Story Beside uh, came out uh, almost a year ago on Steam Early Access the first time. It's an episodic uh, narrative adventure game is what I like to call it. And the conceit of it is basically... It's set in the same world, in a traditional sort of fantasy world that you might see in a classic RPG, uh, like a Final Fantasy game or Chrono Trigger game, but it is told from the perspective of somebody who isn't the hero. It's essentially a story beside the main story or the story that you're used to being told. So Lyric is the main character, and she is reminiscing on all these memories from throughout her life in this little mountain town where adventurers come through, and she's the innkeeper in that town. So she kind of uh, is, you know, usually an NPC that you might see once in one of those games and forget about, never talk to again. Um, And I decided to try and expand that, you know, very small role uh, that I've seen many, many times and see what interesting stories could come out of that. Somebody who's not on the front lines of the battle against, you know, the evil or whatever that may be, but is just living a more ordinary life in that same world. So yeah, it is nearly complete. (laughs) I can definitely say that. Uh, But uh, chapters one through five are currently out on Steam Early Access. If anyone wants to check that out, uh, there's lots of reviews up there for people to To read over if they seem like they might be interested
0: so game development is a difficult process and i know from every game developer that i've ever spoken to that a game never feels done so even once it is uh even once it hits 1.0 you know there's always going to be that part of you that wants to continue yeah.
1: plugging away with my first game um, worlds dawn that i released on steam i didn't do early access at all and in my head it was mm-hmm. like okay i click the launch button the game is done the game is out there and clearly that is not the expectation uh back in 2016 and even more mm-hmm. so now uh games are expected to be patched and updated and you are that's just kind of another step in the process and then you're just kind of expected to engage with the community you know moving forward Pretty much indefinitely. (laughs) And that is, I think, something that has changed in the last maybe decade or so, but it is uh, been a big benefit of doing early access this time around is being able to talk to people get live feedback and adjust things on the fly as i keep moving mm. so i i do think um by the time it does reach that 1.0 state a story beside is going to be way more polished and um yeah hopefully the the best version of this game that i can make uh yeah that's the that's the goal anyway
0: <laughs> we have uh, some music with us here again today we've heard a piece on the way in i think it kind of fits a nice theme that you've uh kind of laid out between your tracks and maybe this is too broad of a generalization, but we have some very kind of pleasant music. Some music that's uh really kind of uplifting in a way, music that's kind of relaxing, kind of puts you in a good mental space. Um, does this kind of represent uh your typical tastes in music or is it just kind of where you needed to find yourself right now in, you know, in mid twenty twenty?
1: Definitely my tastes overall. <laughs> they haven't changed too much with this pandemic. I love, yeah, that sort of l- relaxing and calming and, and mm-hmm. like you said, be uplifting sort of music and games. Um, I noticed that some of the other picks, uh, from today, even the ones that I didn't bring are like that too. I was very excited to see some of the other choices <laughs> that we'll be listening to. But yeah, I've, I've always loved video game music, obviously, uh, and uh, the first time I was on this show, I feel like I was bringing tracks that represented me more as a designer, um, tracks that had inspired me, and that's probably still the case today, but uh, today I tried to just bring ones that I like listening to, like outside of that context.
0: This first piece is called 10 AM from uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons, composed by Yasuwaki Iwata Yumi Takahashi. Shinobu Nagata Sayaku Doi and Masato Ohashi. I feel like with Animal Crossing being kind of a habitual game, a game that you you know you're encouraged to kind of log into and dig up your four fossils and you know strike the money rock and all these things that you're supposed to do every day, get your Nook miles for logging into the ATM. It's uh it's something where I think people will kind of like take a or set aside like a little bit of their day or maybe kind of have a reoccurring down period during the day which they'll kind of use as their animal crossing time do you find yourself uh, i mean this is the 10 a.m piece do you find like that 10 a.m is your animal crossing time typically or uh, is it just your favorite piece of music from the the game
1: i could have picked lots of different Uh, of the hourly themes because i've played this game a lot (laughs) over the last few months it's actually my first animal crossing game ever um so i've sort of you know been on the outside looking in Uh, always been fascinated by the series but never quite uh took the plunge before now and yeah i do think 10 a.m this one is particularly chill (laughs) it gets me in the mood of doing all those daily chores um I, i just thought it was an interesting uh piece to bring you know at the time of recording and Clearly, nothing is going to change too quickly, but um, we are very much still in the midst of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so much has been said of, you know, uh, New Horizons being maybe the best timed game release ever (laughs) because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's lots of aspects to that. I think just being this cozy, breezy, tropical escape for people is so uh, has been so valuable during a very uncertain and, and not cozy, breezy time in our lives. It's also you know the the social aspects of it i've I've played pretty much every day yeah. since it's come out, and I have a core group of friends that have done the same. so it has kept it us it has kept us connected in a way that very few other things have uh on in lockdown. <laughs> but yeah, the the music specifically, I have put a lot of thought into the idea of how we're going to remember this period in our lives. Um, nostalgia is tied so strongly to music and thinking back. Five or 10 or 20 years from now, the first few notes of this 10 a.m. theme, like where that's going to put me in, you know, in terms of headspace. And is it going to just transport me right back to this very unique time? It's, yeah, interesting to think.
0: Yeah. I mean, Nintendo kind of got lucky with both Animal Crossing and Ring Fit Adventure being kind of the perfect uh, pandemic stay at home companions uh, for your social and exercise needs. Uh, they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit with their, with not being able to supply enough hardware, uh, both the Nintendo Switch systems and the Ring Fit peripherals. But um, you know, I, I think it, they probably would have done a little bit differently if they saw you know how hard kind of production would be hit and how much the demand would have increased. But those are the kinds of things that you just can't predict. But uh, I think it has been a nice, uh, nice companion during this time. Um, so what is your, what's your town like? You know, I, I a lot of people <laughs> go for real kind of high concept towns. A lot of people just enjoy it being kind of a, you know, walk through the woods. Like how did you end up kind of specking out your town?
1: Yeah. I shamelessly rip off much of what I see online. <laughs>
0: That's not a problem. That's Be-
1: fine. <laughs> yeah. People are so creative. I mean, I've seen so many screenshots and island <laughs> tour videos of, of you know, these, like you said, these high concept islands that they've, uh, that they've developed over dozens of hours. Um, mm-hmm. mine is much more natural. I like to embrace the, the natural beauty of the Island. I haven't done too much terraforming or, uh, So yeah, I would say that's my style. And I think it fits. I mean, anyone who has played or even just looked at the games that I've, that I like to make, (laughs) it fits that I, uh, I'm, I'm big into the natural world and, and the sort of like farming or, or past, pastoral style. But yeah, we've, uh, this, this group of friends I've played with has done so many little activities like we've it's basically like a little playground right it's a little social playground um even though there are very few ways to mechanically interact with other players there is enough there that you can be incredibly creative in terms of like yeah activities that you plan to do together so we've done fashion shows on each other's islands (laughs) i have one friend that made like half of his island into a board game that we all played together and yeah. Yeah. I recently hosted with a new like beach update for the summer. I hosted like a beach day on my island. So half of my beach was all uh, musical chairs and a relay race and all this <laughs> other stuff I had set up just for this one activity. Yeah. So my island is uh man. It's been it's several hundred hours, which if wow. yeah, anyone who knows me would know that I don't spend that sort of time on any yeah. any one game. I just never have. Uh, I intend to kind of move on pretty quickly. And I like to play all different kinds of games, but this has been my one core pandemic game
0: experience. Yeah. Interesting. I'm, uh, I'm thinking about building a hedge maze, but, uh, my island is OK. It's it's nothing special, but uh, it's it's home. So, you know, I'm happy enough with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel, too. You, it's easy to look at other people's islands and get kind of intimidated. But as long as you feel good and, and cozy yeah. and, and warm there, I think that's what's important.
0: Let's move on to another piece of music. We have a track from Mr. Ixlight from the forum who says... Having not cared that much for the original Donkey Kong Country trilogy, I also skipped the David Wise adoration that seems to color any discussion of video gaming music. But having fallen head over heels in love with Tropical Freeze, I can only say I get it now. The game is chock full of unique and memorable tunes, as varied as the levels themselves. And to me, the greatest earworm so far has proven to be Wingding. From the first second, it has my mind bopping to the beat, and it proceeds to switch up its instrumentation and mood as music as music takes you on a journey as much as the level itself, but it never loses its main goal, making you barrel gleefully towards the next precarious platform. Do you have any uh, history with the Donkey Kong series in general?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm... Actually, haven't played too many platformers on my own, but I always loved playing them as co-op experiences. I like to, hmm. whether that's passing the controller or um, yeah, with Tropical Freeze, I played through the entire game co-op with my brother and yeah, it's just very colorful and, and I don't know, We, th- th- I think there is a theme emerging here <laughs> as far as Animal Crossing to Tropical Freeze to yeah, some of the other uh, tracks, I think very fun and light and upbeat and bouncy tunes
0: yeah this this piece of music has the kind of i well hmm, I, I think they try to invoke the sounds of the jungle with the bongos and stuff i uh, understand there's some uh i guess weight to la- labeling something as jungle music and so i mean no disrespect to the cultures that uh that produce uh, this kind of bongo led, uh, music with these, uh, these style of beats. But I think that that is the intention with, um, with, uh, Donkey Kong and, uh, it's kind of giving a more kind of natural earthy sound, uh, which is, uh, which is great. It's, um, it, the earlier Donkey Kong games, uh, a lot of the music was very minimal and very slow and, uh, kind of drawn out. It was almost like, you know, the wind blowing through a course, whereas the newer ones tend to be, A lot more kind of tune driven um, than the previous ones were. But um, I I think that there's still, that it still kind of maintains a lot of its uh, identity. And like, it's just a lot of fun. Um, David Wise is, uh, you know, a very good composer. He's a lot of his uh, recent stuff. He's been uh, working on the uh, ukulele games as well. And he's done some uh, fantastic stuff there as well as kind of, I don't know, directly training or at least inspiring other uh kind of up-and-coming composers um on the ukulele projects as well who have seemingly kind of emulated his style um which is uh just great to kind of be passing on his wisdom and experience to the next generation of musical you know game composers
1: i think i think a a unique thing about his music in in these platformers is that they're almost rhythm games without actually being rhythm Mm. games (laughs) you know like aside from the actual like music levels of- <laughs> where things were <laughs> yeah, yeah. tied in with, you know, and like, I loved the Rayman origins and legends uh, yeah. music levels. And these aren't quite to that level, but they, there's something musical about just jumping around <laughs> these levels.
0: Yeah. Uh, Donkey Kong country has always been great about letting you. Um, it's one of those games kind of like Mario three, where if you're running through at full speed, then all of the like timing of where enemies are going to be, are going to line up so that you can, like, bop on their heads, get to the next places, and as long as you can react, then the game will kind of meet you where you are. So, you know, it's a, a game that encourages people who are just figuring out for the first time to go slow, and it gives you a little bit more kind of, like, horizontal attack power than Mario has typically. Uh, but, uh, yeah, once you once you get good, once you know the levels, once you are ready for the speed-running challenges, then uh, it's... Um, yeah, it's kind of unmatched in the momentum that it can keep. So, fun series, Tropical Freeze. I think does it very proud, and um, great to see ukulele and the and the Impossible Layer kind of following on from there. Even so, this is Wingding by David Oyelowo from Donkey Kong Country, Tropical Freeze. <laughs> The jungle to the forest this is a piece from uh rakuen. how do you pronounce it rakuen i i never know yeah <laughs> I've um i've seen I, the game dozens of times
1: <laughs> <laughs> i actually went to uh Lori, laura shigahara's youtube channel and mm-hmm. um I've listened to her talk about it a bit and she seems she says rakuen I think is okay. yeah it's a it's a Japanese word that means something I forget th- at this moment but uh yeah rakuen
0: this one has been in my steam library for many years um you know I've I've always enjoyed uh Laura's work both musically and and of indie types of games that she tends to collaborate on uh she did the music for Plants vs Zombies she did at least contributed a song if not more to uh to the moon and i think even came back for finding paradise which was the to the, to the moon sequel which came out the same year as uh, as this game that we're talking about here but um i'm i, I haven't gotten around to playing this one yet and it's kind of killing me it's always like you kind know, of towards the top of the list but it always kind of gets pushed away for something else w- what is the game like? You know, I'm I'm curious about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I wanted to bring this one specifically to to chat with you because I know uh, mm-hmm. I I know that you're a particular To the Moon fan, right? Yeah. And this yeah. this very much has that. Um, you know, Laura is a is a fan of that game as well as <laughs> collaborating mm-hmm. on it. I usually use RPG Maker in the games that I make to put out on mm-hmm. Steam. So To the Moon is a very is very much the high bar. It's the gold standard. Uh, and it was pretty early on in not only it, it, that kind of indie boom that hit. And all of a sudden I looked at that and I said, you can make something very polished. You can, you can sell something. You can find an audience uh, with a game that, you know, is, that looks kind of old school and, and plays kind of old school, mm. something that is kind of simple mechanically, but has a lot of passion and yeah, skill and, and creative, um, energy behind it so yeah that uh, i came to find out about uh laura through her work on to the moon and definitely was paying attention when she announced she was working on her own game and uh it's it's a very cool concept it's about a a young boy who is in the hospital and he um yeah i I won't spoil too much but there's kind of a dual world uh aspect to it where Mm. he kind of slips in between through these doors that leads to this fantasy world, and all the characters that are there in the hospital with him have these analogs in the fantasy world, and it's uh, very much like To the Moon in that it is story driven, pretty you know emotional, and <laughs> yeah. the music is fantastic. She's an incredible composer and a talented game designer as well. So I was, yeah, very uh, pleased with this one and would certainly recommend it to you and, and anyone else who liked to the moon or similar games.
0: That's interesting. It's an interesting point about those early kind of first wave of like hyper prominent indie games. You know, you think about like braid and Fez and uh cave story and each of those games while kind of harkening back to older gameplay styles uh, definitely had very kind of modern touches in their in their graphics, uh, perhaps even beyond what was necessary. You know, I think that people would have enjoyed braid just as much if it did go for a more kind of pixel art aesthetic, but they, they chose specifically to do something that, you know, felt more like an impressionist painting, which I, I love. Uh, but, um, I wonder if it was kind of like fighting an expectation, I don't know, maybe having a lack of confidence that the, audience would be there if they just made it look like an old school proper super nintendo game um so yeah it was i i guess it you know probably wasn't until a little bit after that, that the really prominent games started being ones that did kind of look and feel uh more traditionally old school in their aesthetic
1: yeah yeah i think i think to the moon specifically y- you can tell when you play it it wasn't really meant it wasn't created to be sold he never really mm you know, thought of it like that. And he had made Mm -hmm. other games that looked similar and played similar before that. So the fact that that is the one that, you know, took off, uh, maybe has informed some of the genre moving forward. But I think at the time, it was just a passion project. And that comes through very strongly. So yeah, those decisions that you're talking about, about Graphics and and the modern touches I don't think had there wasn't much consideration put towards them in development of that game which I think contributes to making it feel so special
0: nowadays authenticity to the older hardware is kind of a selling point you know being able to say that we specifically restrict ourselves to the color palette or the memory limitations or even in the case of shovel knight uh, using different instrumental uh, combinations in the American and Japanese release to you know, differentiate how the NES and Famicom sound cards uh, were handled back in the day. So you know, I think, you know, operating under these limitations has become kind of a a mark of pride for a lot of developers as well. And I love that all of these things can exist together.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, I certainly feel that as a developer myself, I mean, there are logical uh, benefits to it. Of course, it's easier mm-hmm. to develop than, you know, like high, high budget AAA sort of like 3D graphics. But at the same time, there is something kind of magical about this and maybe it is mostly just nostalgia, but that like niche audience is a pretty big niche of people that enjoy, yeah. enjoy this style of game and will always enjoy the style of game of the, the top down perspective or you just kind of, yeah, exploring these worlds in, in 16 bits. Yeah, I I, that's a fun, a fun challenge for me always is is deciding where to put those modern touches, Uh, for example, in a story beside uh, the sound design of it is very much closer to a modern game than it would than it would be towards, you know, an older school game as you as you approach a waterfall, Mm -hmm. you know, like 3D sound, ambient sound kind of fades in and out as you're walking around these environments. So it's those sorts of things that I'm always interested in exploring, but the general feel of it just you know glancing at a at a screenshot or something is very much um purposefully you know meant to look like one of those older games
0: that's cool well wow. is there anything about this uh, particular piece of music welcome to the forest that stands out to you
1: this one, uh, talking about harkening back to <laughs> old school RPGs, I think this one is very much in that vein. And, uh, it's the first song. I believe it's the first song that you hear when you first enter the fantasy world as this boy. So it's, uh, very different from the kind of like stark, dull grays and, and tones of the hospital. You step into the fantasy world and, and this one plays. So, uh, yeah, just a very, um, she, she has a few tracks on the, on the soundtrack that are, uh, vocal as well, cause she's a, you know, mm-hmm. an amazing singer in addition to compo- yeah. composing it all herself. But this one is just an instrumental track that I think is is pretty uh, special.
0: Great. This is Welcome to the Forest by Laura Shigihara from Requiem. <laughs> Piece of music. This entire game is one that um, means a lot to me personally. I mean, I don't know if we have to give disclosures. I'm not necessarily trying to sell the game, but like I was the uh, marketing kind of coordinator for Devolver Digital when I was still at Nintendo. And um, that was, you know, during the time at which Grease was coming out. And this is one that I kind of like pointed to really early as like, ah, guys, we should we should give this one as much love as we can. This is going to be I don't know about like a huge seller, but definitely like a real kind of feather in the cap um, for the system and, um, you know, loved by a certain audience for sure. So this, I, I think when I think of of Greece, a lot of the music that stands out the most is the music that um, is a lot more kind of like relaxing and pleasant. And um, I think it has a really nice theme tune, which has kind of a mournfulness to it. But this... Like equally, it has pieces that are really kind of building and intense and you know, but just beautifully recorded and this particular recording gets sounds out of stringed instruments that I don't know if I've heard exactly before. um there's a certain kind of just a a velocity of the uh bows hitting the strings, and the timbre of the sounds that those create are so haunting and, you know, strike like lightning. And it's, uh, pretty incredible. And and it's kind of backed up by some really kind of, uh, strange, um, highlights from, I think an electrical organ that kind of pepper in here and there, uh, throughout, but it's otherwise a really, um, kind of strong, emotional, almost kind of scary and intimidating piece. But it's, uh, it's uniquely beautiful in a way that, you know, I don't, usually here. So I wanted to bring this to the forefront. Um this is a another game that has a very memorable and, and singular aesthetic. Uh is this one that you've uh that you've tried, David?
1: I am ashamed to admit that uh no. This game is incredibly no, <laughs> I, no, I it, it is incredibly up my alley. I mean, I mm. like you're mentioning the art style. I think honestly it has the most striking art style of anything I have ever seen possibly. <laughs> I've heard nothing but good things. And, and, uh, like you were saying that I had expected something sort of, you know, more peaceful or meditative in terms of the soundtrack. Cause that's everything I had heard from the game. Um, but this is very mm-hmm. intriguing that it's something very different, high intensity or at least high tempo. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go play it very soon. I, I don't think I should hold off any, any longer because this one looks amazing.
0: There's a nice mixture of pieces on the soundtrack. And I think, you know, it's not really a spoiler to say that the game is kind of like a metaphorical exploration of dealing with, uh, with grief. And there's a lot of, um, kind of mixed emotions that go into that. And this game does a good job of kind of like exploring everything together. So, um, yeah, it it kind of encompasses both the kind of a resigned quietness and uh the you know hopeful aspiration towards the end as well as the more kind of turbulent intense moments of uh kind of you know the, the world that you know breaking down around you. So I uh yeah, really enjoy it. It's um it's pretty short as well, pretty easy to get through with um you know in maybe a couple of sittings. So Um, I I have um, no
1: excuses is what you're saying.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) uh, I mean, no video game is ever free. So, you know, of course people can't go out there and just buy everything that looks interesting because otherwise we would all drive ourselves into the poorhouse. Um, (laughs) and then of course, even, you know, the shorter games are still two, three hours a piece. And so, you know, there's, um, there's a time commitment as well. So, you know, we, we do our best, but doubtless even the most dedicated among us are going to miss hundreds and hundreds of high quality games absolutely (laughs) anyways this is karasu by berlinist from greece This is another piece of yours um this is uh, a game that's um another kind of rpg maybe one that isn't quite as bright and hopeful as the previous one but um it has a really kind of distinctive sound to it and um yeah i'm a, it's been years since i've played the series but it still kind of it really brings me back to that place <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have uh, similar feelings about the entire Mass Effect series. I haven't really been I haven't really revisited them (laughs) myself, but I I chose this one. Mass Effect 2 was actually the first one that I played um, before I went back to do the original. But there is a very sort of uh, unique uh, story behind it. Um, I was living in Chicago at the time that this game came out on the PS3. So it was actually I think it had a strange timed exclusivity deal with the Xbox 360. Um, so it was actually like a year after the game had mm. come out full stop and I picked it up. And so this would have been, I think, January of 2011 is I, I went back and, and looked um, and a few days later. This giant uh, blizzard, snowstorm hit the city. It was historic, uh, you know, like feet of snow. And the uh, roommates that I was living with at the time were both out of town, and they had gotten kind of stranded out of town. You know, most most businesses, all schools, every, everywhere, kind of shut down for a few days because it was just too much. You know, it was all over the the highways, the freeways, the the roads. Buses couldn't get through. And I remember the night uh, that it first started snowing, I sort of knew it was coming. I took a walk, you know, that very fresh snowfall, Mm -hmm. that beautiful twinkling snow. I took a walk down the block to just pick up some snacks from the local uh, gas station and went back to the apartment and then just stayed there <laughs> for the next few days uh, alone in this little apartment, very cold apartment. We had these old fashioned radiators that would just kind of like crackle and hiss when they would turn on. And I just piled blankets on top of me. My only job for the next few days, because everything had gotten, you know, canceled, everything was just sort of frozen in place. My only mm. job for the next few days was to to take care of our cats, to feed, to feed our three cats. Uh, and I had completely lost myself in Mass Effect. Mm. I was somebody and, and always have been somebody that hasn't been too much into sci-fi at all. Like I prefer more traditional classic fantasy stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this was the first real sci-fi story that I just got completely uh, enveloped in. And it's a very good game for that (laughs) to lose yourself and, you know, just kind of sitting there in this in this little apartment, everything around is is frozen and quiet. And I just played for days straight. Yeah, I'll always tie uh, my memories of, of this game and the sounds, especially this one, which plays over the sort of like the galaxy map with yeah that feeling of the world just kind of being completely still
0: mass effect is a war series essentially you're playing a commander in the midst of kind of an escalating galactic conflict um kind of facing a universe ending threat in a way and trying to unite you know different planets and different species that have their own conflicts and and reasons to distrust and disagree with one another to fight kind of a common threat. Uh, I mean, not too, too different from the world as it is right now, but it's, um, it's interesting that this piece of music kind of represents a certain kind of calm in the middle of this war, which is something that I don't know if video games have always traditionally been the best at depicting, you know, oftentimes, especially in, in older games, not that games are more kind of open world and don't, extract you from the world after you finish a fight or a mission or whatever they they do have a little bit more time to breathe but you know previously it was you are either in conflict or in menus and uh you know this this piece of music at least kind of you know gives me a little bit of a window into galaxy that we're kind of fighting to protect you know this kind of peacefulness this uh it feels very scientific as well um very you know, there's a bit of hope in there is a bit of kind of melancholy, but overall it's kind of a calmness in the midst of an otherwise fairly kind of action packed and, uh, um, often kind of dour and, uh, trying experience, but, um, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah lovely I, think, piece.
1: I think it's one of my, uh, hangups in the genre of sci-fi has always been that they are often, um, not optimistic or hopeful Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i did see that even if even if it wasn't uh prevalent in the narrative of mass effect you know the overall trilogy as much i think it was hopeful in its depiction of the future of these different species that can work and live together and Mm -hmm. i think it was the first sort of vision of that like space themed future that i felt like i would actually want to live in (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i could i could see this as a as a good way forward for the human race um so, yeah, that, that there is a bit of hope and optimism there in those quiet moments. Uh, and they were always, I mean, just generally, the quiet moments are always my personal favorite in RPGs. Like you do the big boss battle and then you get the chance to, you know, go to the next town and talk to everybody. And <laughs> um, so to see those moments in a high budget sci-fi RPG were, were pretty great. There was a lot of... I mean, my favorite parts of the game were just kind of connecting with your crew members and yeah, yeah looking over this galaxy map and just sort of contemplating the, the quiet of space.
0: How did you interact with the morality system in Mass Effect? I know everyone kind of has a different approach. Some people max out all Paragon or all Renegade to the best of their ability. And some people preferred to kind of make the choices that they would really make themselves in each situation as it arose and kind of end up being a little bit more towards the middle maybe leaning one way or the other but uh what was your approach
1: i was paragon all the way i'm a good boy i usually am (laughs) (laughs) and i think it was one of maybe the mechanical failings of of this game in particular they punished Mm -hmm. you for sort of going middle of the road i think i I mean that's been talked about to death before Mm to these morality systems where you make it into a black and white thing There's not much uh, reward in going the, you know, making each decision as it comes and going uh, middle of the road. But yeah, I I certainly think there were some interesting moral questions that the game brought up, even if when the actual mechanic, when the actual menu came up, I would just immediately go over to the to the blue answer whenever I could.
0: I think there were a lot of supporting systems in there, like making your character look uh, more kind of mechanically distressed as he chose more, he or she chose more more renegade options and kind of even the color coding of blue and red, you know, kind of brings forward the impression that it, you know, very clearly stands for good and evil, which I don't think was necessarily always the case. I think that there were some, you know, depending on your kind of moral stances, there were some renegade options that were clearly morally and ethically superior to the paragon options
1: yeah those were always the most interesting moments i think when they shook it up like that i remember i think it was mass effect three there was a moment if you just went straight paragon and told a certain character to stand up for herself or something she would end up getting killed for it um Mm. so it was really you know kind of scaring her or uh the the renegade option that would have been better in that case um i wish they would have done more with that
0: yeah i ended up with some uh kind of poor results as a as result of, uh, of choices compounding on one another. And I'm confident that I made the correct ethical choice in each situation, but it was just kind of the way that the choices kind of interacted when new information presented itself or new situations made other uh, choices relevant at the time uh, ended up coming away with some pretty poor results. So I don't know how I you know, if I was a a consequentialist, then I would be, you know, really upset with how things turned out. But, uh, it's, it's an interesting game and I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I'm interested to see what's going to kind of take its place going forward with, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely up for something this kind of meaty and decision driven.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I always structure wise, I, I had, I always kind of said mass effect two specifically was my favorite Final Fantasy game in years, <laughs> just because it follows that very old school, uh, you know, format of you go out and you recruit these different characters. You do their like one backstory mission uh, mm-hmm. and then all go together and unite as a party and go face the, the great evil. So even if it's not within this genre or setting, I think uh, we already have started to see maybe some uh, some of its reach. I think um, there are morality systems in games that you maybe wouldn't expect there to be morality systems. Witcher 3 comes to mind of a game that uh, you can make these choices that will affect how your story Mm -hmm. plays out, uh, even if, you know, that's not the main core focus of that game.
0: Anyways, this piece of music is called New Worlds by Sam Hulick and Jack Wall from Mass Effect 2. to another piece from the forum this was requested by joba bonobo who says banjo Tui has a reputation as being a darker game than its bright and cheery predecessor it starts with your arch nemesis killing one of your friends your house and homeland being destroyed and the world is going to be drained of its life in order to get the villain's body back and this is still all in the first five to ten minutes of the game it is a much more dire set of affairs with a lot more at stake a lot of Tui's soundtrack reflects this change in tone from the mournful Isle of Hags, the circus jingle tinged with cynicism of witchy world, and the harsh chants of Mayahem Temple. Grant Kirkhope really flexes his musical chops in this title and does a wonderful job of capturing the different tone of its sequel, but there is still plenty of the catchy, bouncy fun of the original in this soundtrack, and it's best exemplified by the lovely Jinjo Village. There is a real exuberant joy to this tune which is up there as some of my favorite pieces from the series. It has a triumphant tone that reassures you that everything is going to go back the way it was. It is an iconic and memorable melody that sums up the banjo series as a whole alongside classics such as Spiral Mountain. Just a lovely piece. Jinjo Village uh, composed by Grant Kirkhope, This is a uh, one of the more memorable pieces from Banjo Tui, I would say. Jinjo Village is a a uh, very kind of upbeat and lively piece. I think it was made so cheery and chipper, um, specifically to contrast the the zombified uh Jinjo King's throne room uh tune. Uh, he gets quite a uh quite a bad situation from Gruntilda and her sisters in Banjo Tui. And um they uh they morph the music along with his throne room, which has been kind of you know made uh, had the the life sucked out of it, so to speak. So um it, it is kind of comical in a way to hear this this chipper tune uh, turned into kind of a, a mournful uh, mournful drag of a song uh, when uh, when that happens. but um overall, I think this is a pleasant piece and it's a piece that's kind of stuck with the series in nuts and bolts as well. I think you can hear it uh, when, uh, when Jinjos are talking in there as well. What is your history with, you said you weren't like a big platformery type of person, but do do you have any, uh, affection for Banjo-Kazooie? I do.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tied very strongly with just that period in general, the, mm. you know, the N64, so many rare games in quick succession that were all just <laughs> absolute hits, uh, mm. lots of memories of just, you know, sitting in the basement, eating a popsicle on a hot summer day. And, Playing banjo or Donkey Kong sixty four or mm-hmm. uh, so many of those like the levels kind of blend together in my head to this one very like pleasant mishmash yep. of rare <laughs> and Grant Kirkhope uh, coming together. Yeah, uh, fond memories for sure.
0: Anyways, this is Jinjo Village by Grant Kirkhope from Banjo Tooie. of music from another kind of you know openish world platformery type of game um many years on not not entirely dissimilar uh but uh I think this is a unique piece of music that you've picked out here and in, in that it evolves as the game is played
1: yeah yeah i um I think there's been a lot said on the soundtrack of of breath of the wild uh it is minimalist it is i think it's one of the more bold and ambitious things about the game i mean the zelda series of course has one of you know the most legendary uh osts in 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 the entire industry i think so to be able to kind of step away from that as much as they did and not have these bombastic themes playing mo- most of the game is kind of muted and and a little different. I mean, there's Piano. Piano has never really been in Zelda before. Um, but then there are certainly tracks like uh, Terry Town where they just kind of nail it. They go back to a more traditional Zelda-sounding thing, and they just nail it. But yeah, I think uh certainly one of the more memorable side quests from the game, and this music has a lot to do with it, every time you recruit a new uh, villager for this little town that you're building, each one of them is from a different race of uh, mm-hmm. characters, and... Every time you add a new person, a new layer to the song gets added as well. And each of these layers represents, you know, the different races and the different villages that they come from. So there's the, there's the Zora guitar, there's the sort of like woodwind, uh, you know, like Rito themes that, that uh, dip in and out that lazy, I think it's like a trombone that rolls in for the, for the Goron. I thought it was brilliant when I realized what they were doing after the first, you know, two or three times. And by the end, uh, this particular version is all of those together. So it's like the final Tarrytown theme uh, once you have united all these different people and and built up this town from nothing.
0: Yeah, this is a lovely piece. You know, you, you mentioned that Breath of the Wild um, primarily kind of gets by on ambient sounds and uh, is Pretty minimalist in its music, but uh, it just kind of makes the music that does um, does present itself a little bit more special. Definitely, and this is Terrytown Married by Manaka Kataoka, Yasuaki Iwata, and Hajime Wakai from the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. the Nintendo Switch launch game and kind of a Wii U swan song in a way. Although there are still games occasionally being released for Wii U, whether they are Just Dance or Shakedown Hawaii just had a Wii U version recently. Um, It's a, you know, it's uh gone but not forgotten let's say
1: and i was i was excited to play breath of the wild on my wii u until they said it was also coming to switch and which and that day i pre-ordered a switch (laughs) (laughs) i yeah very much a a lifelong zelda fan and um yeah i mean that game particularly i think was pretty much the perfect launch game for them Mm. i don't know how much of the switch's success can be directly attributed to it but you know, having one of the most highly rated and highly acclaimed games ever (laughs) launch day one for that system, I think did wonders.
0: And kind of having a a statement of purpose to put out a game that really kind of appeals to the core after a couple generations of not having super strong relationship with the core audience.
1: I was going to say, yeah, roping back in an audience that maybe had started to stray from, you know, Nintendo and the Zelda series, even, in the last decade
0: yeah 2017 was a strong year for nintendo with uh that and super mario odyssey and i mean i'm a big fan of arms i know it's not the most popular but uh <laughs> it i, looks, I it looks it fun I,
1: I didn't play that one but yeah it definitely uh there are worse launch uh window <laughs> games i think
0: yeah that's uh it's a it's a good one it's got some good music too <laughs> 2017 was kind of the height of nintendo uh r- like writing specific theme songs for a lot of their games. It's been uh yeah, there's some uh yeah, I know the Mario Odyssey had the jump yeah. up superstar yeah. and Splatoon 2 had uh some great pieces composed and kind of in the persona of the uh off the hook squid or octopus siblings or right. Um yeah, it's um and then arms had its its memorable theme tune as well. It's um uh, great music along the way.
1: Yeah, very strong identities to each of these titles that came
0: out. Back in Sound of Play 205 we featured a a uh, track that um Steam Powered Giraffe re-recorded for uh, Steam World Heist called Honeybee and similarly this is another piece of music called Honeybee and I think all that I'm really learning about myself during this time is that uh I really enjoy pieces of music called Honeybee apparently <laughs> um I think it's uh I think they're hard to beat as a weirdly specific subgenre of music
1: would you would you add the final fantasy 7 remake uh i don't know that you've oh. <laughs> particularly heard that track but that yeah. was what came to my mind immediately
0: yeah the honeybee lounge or whatever it's yeah, called
1: uh, <laughs> it's got lyrics and everything yeah
0: wild anyways this is a, a very kind of electronic piece of music it's composed by hello world for the game else Heartbreak, and um it's just very uh you know i like I like digital music that feels like it's kind of you know breaking as it goes or you know pulling in wildly divergent uh, instrumental sounds and kind of stretching the i uh, stretching the limits of tonality you know it it i like when when digital music feels impossible because you know if if you're going to be following the you know what is possible to play on a traditional instrument then you know, that's, that's fine. But, uh, you know, let's, let's really flex the muscles of these digital instruments that we have. So, um, it's, it's very kind of chip and, um, and really kind of wild. I've again, not, uh, played the game, but I end up with a lot of indie game soundtracks, especially from humble bundles and such. So, right, right. you know, oftentimes I will listen to the music before I get around to playing the game. <laughs> hope i'm not spoiling it in context you know i've always kind of thought about that but uh
1: i think as a of course i don't speak for all game developers (laughs) in any way but i think any any way you can get people to you know come into your world i think whether they hear a song first or yeah any sort of tool to to sell you on the mood or the the
0: message yeah this is called honeybee from else heartbreak piece of music to listen to, but before we do that, we want to encourage everyone to venture over to the forum at canonerince.com forum, or uh, tweet us at canonerince. You can request a piece of your favorite video game music in any of those sources, and we are happy to play, you know, many of, of those going forward. We will continue to make our way through. We have a healthy list of video game music selections, but are always looking to add more. And then we, we pick from Newer and older submissions as well, so don't feel like you have to to get right at the very back of the line if you have something new that uh hit your ears in a good way recently so um with that said, I just wanted to thank David for joining me today and uh wanted to kind of pass it over to you if you have anything that you would like to draw people's attention to. We spoke about your your gamer while you're on, and um yeah, if you have any kind of social channels or web presences or anything that uh that you find um that you know people would benefit from knowing about
1: sure yeah um so my uh solo indie development studio (laughs) which i use sort of interchangeably with my own name is wayward profit and that's p-r-o-p-h-e-t and you can find me yeah twitter (laughs) not the the money kind right exactly i do have to (laughs) specify but uh yeah, you can find me on, on Twitter or um, Facebook or Instagram or honestly just waywardprofit.com and find links to the games that I've made. Uh, we talked about World's Dawn was the first one that I made mm-hmm. a few a uh, few years back. And then a story besides should be coming out uh, in full very, very soon. Um, and I would love feedback. It's it's early access at the moment. Um, but as we were talking about, you know, even once it's actually... Launched, I would love to get people's uh, opinions so I can keep making it better moving forward. So, uh, yeah, if you have any interest in in games like uh, to the Moon or Rockwen, this has a lot in common with them. And um
0: yeah, go check it out. Fantastic. This final piece of music. um I, I noted as I was you know going through the list the first time that uh, you know, as I said before, you uh, tended to choose a lot of kind of uplifting and peaceful music. And then I saw a very unpeaceful game at the end of the list with a uh, rather ominous title, Cruel, Cruel World, um, as the name of the track. And I thought, ha, finally got you. <laughs> but but no, this is, is also another piece of uh, pretty chill, pretty uh, pretty relaxing music.
1: It is. It, I mean, it is a bit <laughs> of a downer maybe to end on. Um, obviously, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 is... Um, mind boggling achievement Mm. (laughs) technically and and narratively and thematically that they were able to keep it as focused as it ended up being after so many years with so many hundreds of people working on it. But yeah, on a, on a personal note, I uh, reached a certain part of the story. I was, you know, I was very into it. I was kind of obsessed with it. And I reached a certain part of the story where it just kind of like became hard to play. Um, you know, without getting into spoiler territory, Mm -hmm. there's a point where a terminal, a character with a terminal illness becomes a plot point. And I was at the time going through, uh, chemotherapy for lymphoma cancer, which is, you know, thankfully now in the past time <laughs> in remission. But I, uh, yeah, I was kind of struggling to, to continue to play. Um, and I kind of took a break. I took a year off where I just didn't play Red Dead at all. You know, there were other factors to that probably, but it was just a bit of a, uh, a, a bit too heavy for me at the time. Mm. And, um, I always meant to go back. And it was, you know, after I went through that uh, process that I finally did kind of dip my toes back in. And I want I want to credit Kane and Rince. Uh, I listened to the to the episode. I think it was hmm. earlier this year, actually.
0: Yeah, might have been the first one of the new volume. I'm not remembering.
1: I think that's right. I think that's right. It was very early this year that I listened to everyone you know on that panel and and very uh they were very much in love with the game Mm -hmm. in so many ways and it inspired me to get back into it and i and i did and i played it and loved it and got just as obsessed as i did the first time around uh and it is certainly one of my favorite game experiences in years so yeah. And this, yeah, it does, does seem like sort of a strange, <laughs> strange track to end on. But the moment that this plays in the game, it does that very, you know, like classic Red Dead thing of you get on your horse and the song comes in as mm-hmm. you just ride to the next location. But it's a very authored experience in that way where they'll set it to be a certain time of day. You know, they'll put you on a certain path to make it as cinematic as possible. There's actually a version of this song, I think in the game itself, that's uh, Willie Nelson performs it. Um, this, this one is the, there's like two separate versions. This one is from the ending credits, but, uh, yeah, I think the, the lyrics are, are maybe a bit down, (laughs) uh, yeah, not quite as, as upbeat or pleasant as some of the other picks that I've brought, but it still is a very, um, kind of warm feeling as, as the character rides off into the sunset.
0: That's great. I've been, uh, I've been dipping into Red Dead redemption two Again, I picked it up on, uh, on PC this time and it's, uh, gosh, it's just, you know, I played it all the way through on Xbox one X and it's just, going back now, I remember my experience with it the first time, but it still feels like magic, like being able to just kind of walk around in that world. And I don't know whether it's because I've been inside for the last however many months (laughs) or whether, you know, I think, you know, sitting closer to the screen or having a more powerful machine than the Xbox uh, to render these worlds and, you know, and a really nice kind of resolution frame rate, but it's, uh, it's just, it feels impossible what they've created in the yeah. best possible way.
1: <laughs> the word, the word, unbelievable is you yeah. know has been maybe watered down, but it's it's honestly unbelievable. I cannot believe that such a thing exists. Sometimes when I'm living in that world, and maybe to tie things back around, all the way back around to Animal Crossing, it does feel like a very good uh, escape right now. Yeah. It feels like a you know something that you can completely immerse and lose yourself in. And in a lot of the same ways, it's, it can be, you know, slow and, uh, has a lot of charm to it. Those quiet moments that we've kept coming back to, um, there's plenty of those in between the gun bouts and, <laughs> uh, train heists.
0: Yeah. You know, you mentioned, uh, kind of getting on your horse and this piece of music kicks in. Um, you know, it's something that I feel like video games are kind of over time getting better at is including these kind of musical cues that, kick in when there's uh that feel like just the right point in time you know we we come from the medium where where there's one piece of music that is looping the entire time that you're in a certain area uh you know thinking back to mario like you would hear the overworld theme until the last 90 seconds in which case it would speed up and uh and as you're supposed to be kind of getting closer to the uh the finish line of the level and then you know things got a little bit more complex with you know Monkey Island 2 that it's like you know you could walk from area to area and the music would change and Banjo-Kazooie you would hear the music become muffled as you dove underwater and stuff like that but i feel like it's only been really recently that we've had things like um i've also been playing uh Death Stranding on PC as well, uh, since that just came out this last week as of the time of recording. And um, it's, uh, I mean, that feels kind of magical as well. Like when you head out into this world that feels kind of endlessly sprawling and you have packages to deliver and basically you kind of come up over a hillside and you just kind of see a horizon of volcanic rocks and, and moss and rivers, as far as you can see and know that you're going to have to cross it. And you kind of get that, you know, feeling of like, wow, this is going to be a long journey, but then, you know, the, the camera pulls way back. It starts playing like a piece of licensed music with the the song name and band name (laughs) written on the screen, which is kind of a funny touch, but it it kind of, you know, it it does, it, it feels cinematic in a way without removing the uh control from you. You know, I like that we're able to do so much more of this kind of tone setting and mood setting during gameplay. And uh we don't have to pull back to cutscenes anymore like we used to. It's uh it's pretty cool.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's extremely exciting to see what people are doing with adaptive soundtracks and um fully embracing the idea that when you're designing a game, you are only doing you know, I mean, they've they've said this before, but they you're only doing half of it, and the the player is telling the other half of the mm-hmm. story. So allowing them to you know be able to control in some ways the the music itself is uh, can be lead to some really affecting moments.
0: Anyways, this is "Cruel, Cruel World" by Daniel Lanois. I'm gonna say that that would be my. my I guess. think that,
1: I think that's right. Yeah.
0: Okay. And uh, and Josh Josh Home from Red Dead Redemption 2. And we'll catch you again next week.